Hello and welcome to the Behind the Box Score podcast. I am your host, Mac Borey, and yes, I'm not on my lonesome this week. I am joined by my guy, my main colleague, one of my good friends, Alex Comas. He's back in his chair and we're ready to talk about NFL everything week six and beyond. What a crazy week. First off, Alex, hello. Good to have you back, man. What's going on, bro? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad, too, that the intro didn't include any sort of giant swipe at me after yet another loss or any sort of Taylor Swift, um, you know, pun that you wanted to throw in there. But, Mac, I just want to compliment you. Last week, the pod, if you guys haven't listened to it, Mac doing a solo pod, one of the hardest things to do, and oh, Mac absolutely you. crushed it. Thank you, bro. I really appreciate that. I, it was super fun. Obviously, missed you. It was hard to do it without you, but I, I appreciate that. That means a lot from one broadcaster to another. So yeah, you know how that how difficult that can be. But I had a lot of fun, and I'm excited to if, if that if that has to happen again. Uh, of course, I'm 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 totally willing and and love doing it, um, and love getting all the information out to you guys and just spewing some takes, which is exactly what we, what I did, which I was right on a few of my takes. Um, and we'll get to that later on in the pod. We've got a lot to cover. I mean, a big acquisition happened today in the NFL Julio Jones to the Philadelphia Eagles we're going to get to that later on we're going to first start off with Chargers Cowboys we're going to get into some upsets this weekend Browns Niners and of course the aforementioned Eagles against the Jets we'll get into some overreactions and then we'll do a quick cross off as uh, we keep that contest going crossing off teams from playoff contention so let's get into it Alex week six oh also some quick housekeeping really quick before we get into Week six and Chargers and Cowboys and what was a pretty entertaining Monday night football game. It's going to be a two episode week. So we are going to have a whole NBA season preview. Me, Alex, and my brother Asher are going to hop on. I think I'm going to get my friend Zach Gatsby on as well, talk some Boston Celtics. So that'll be out. We're going to record that tomorrow night and that'll be out either Thursday or Friday. So it'll be a two episode week here on Behind the Box Score. So make sure you are tuning in. We're going to get into over unders, future bets, MVP odds who we like, hot takes, all that stuff. NBA coming tomorrow. Make sure you're tuning in right here on the Behind the Box Score podcast. Okay, Chargers and Cowboys, Monday night football. Alex, I'll hand it over to you. Initial thoughts after watching the game. It was a a closely contested game. Frankly, I thought the Chargers were going to end up on top. They didn't. Then the Cowboys get a field goal win, 20-17. to Alex, what are your uh, initial thoughts after watching the boys get a primetime dub? Yeah, I, I think honestly going into this game, I don't think we ever could have expected it'd be kind of the defensive battle that it, it seemed to be yeah. uh, for most of that game. And now I, I don't know if you want to chalk that up to poor offensive execution. Like Cowboys offense hasn't been great the last few weeks. Um, you know, and the Chargers have been pretty on par with how the Chargers have rolled. Um, but Honestly, it it was a really it was a great game um, overall. I mean, I think we'd rather see those kind of defensive battles with some offense rather than just a high scoring affair or yes. just a, a scoreless affair. Seemingly that the Browns Niners, which we'll get into later, was just a kind of a grind to get through. Um, but I, I, it was still a, a great game, and I think there's some you know, cool points or cool takes that we could have taken from that game for both teams. I think, you know, Cowboys getting back on track with kind of the the hype that they had going into the season after week one, especially after the demolishing of my beloved Giants. Um, and the Chargers, honestly, 
I, I feel like there's more positives to come out of it than negatives for them, really. Um, which I, I mean, we'll we'll get into. But Mac, what what were your overall thoughts on the game? Yeah, man, I I see. I kind of struggled because I I'm going on Twitter. I'm seeing everyone's takes, and I knew this was going to be one of those polarizing games because it's Herbert and Dak, and those two fan bases can't be more against each other. And just, oh, no, Herbert's the better. Oh, no, Dak has done all this, and Herbert shouldn't be the golden boy. And and uh, we, we've got a guy named Draven Fine, who's one of our good friends, who didn't get to hop on, but a huge Cowboys fan. And he is, like, the epitome of that, a Justin Herbert hater. And whether your reasons are justified or not, it is a polarizing debate. So I just knew there were going to be takes on either side after the game. And I kind of find myself going, you know what? My thoughts didn't super change on any of those, play- any of the- those two players or – Either team, I I I left going. Okay, Dak needed that game. He was the best player on the Cowboys. He led the team in rushing. He was sacked five times. He still made it happen. He didn't make mistakes. No fumbles. No interceptions on primetime football. So I thought, okay, Dak needed that game to kind of right the ship, like you said, not only for the team to get back on track, but for both Cowboys fans and just NFL fans to go. Okay, Dak Dak can do this on a big stage against. What, what was a defense that was flying around the football field for the Chargers uh, in the backfield? Again, he was sacked five times, but and and, let, they, and also too, as far as they were dominating the line of scrimmage against oh, the Cowboys' offensive line, Cowboys unreal. could not run the ball efficiently, um, especially through Tony Pollard. He had 15 rushes for 30 yards, so <sighs> they were really struggling to run the ball. And the Chargers were saying to the Cowboys, "Hey, we'll let we'll leave it up to Dak to beat us. Like, yep. go, go ahead, go right ahead and." Credit to Dak, he, he, he came through on that. He, he did it. He uh, 43 more rushing yards on three more attempts, uh, the Cowboys in general, about 50 more passing yards on seven less passing attempts, only one less completion. They were just so much more efficient. And, I mean, Dak took over. Like you said, he went 11 for 11 when targeting either Brandon Cooks or C.D. Lamb, 156 yards and a tutty on those 11 targets and receptions. And Prescott accounted for 312 of the total 368 yards of the team. I mean, they were around 50 yards that happened, not because of him. That was it. There, were, they, there was no running game. There wasn't much to speak of besides what Dak was making happen. And then this is from PFF, Brad Spielberger. Uh, when pressured last night, Dak went seven for nine for 105 yards. And on throws of 10 or more yards, he was seven for 11 for 114. And he had a drop from Gallup that would have been a touchdown. So this is one of Dak Prescott's best primetime showings in a minute, I'd say. I think this was something that was needed for Dak. But again, this doesn't change my overall outlook. I'd still take Justin Herbert over Dak Prescott. I still think Dak Prescott's a really good quarterback who can lift a team up and win some games. Uh, is that fair to say? Like, am I crazy? I, I agree. No, I, I agree. And and that's that's, you know, taking... I'm trying to take my Giants fan bias out of it completely in that and saying, look, I would I take Dak Prescott over Daniel Jones? Yes, I would. A million times. I I think Dak Dak Prescott is a great quarterback in this league for a franchise that you just need some sort of stability at quarterback. I believe Dak Prescott can somewhat give that to you, but I think he's and this is where Draven, I'm sure, would listen to it and is going to criticize me for saying. <laughs> but I would say he's on the same sort of level as Brock Purdy to where when it comes down Oof. to bringing you down the field to win a game, I just don't believe he has that in him without the without weapons around him to support him in doing so. 
I just don't think he's the, he's the kind of quarterback that can grab a game by the throat and go win you a game. Whereas Justin Herbert, since 2020, he has the most game-winning drives of all quarterbacks in the NFL. He's got 14 game-winning drives or fourth-quarter comebacks since 2020, since he's been in the league. So I, I think Justin Herbert – I'm taking Justin Her- Herbert – for not only for that youth that he has a, 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 the edge on Prescott on, but I, I just the fact that I just think he's got more talent and he's he's more capable of leading your team to victory. Whereas Dak Prescott, well, credit to him because he did it last night. I, I just don't – we have not seen that in the past three years out of Dak Prescott when it comes to the playoffs. He has not been able to carry that load for them. So I, I'm still sticking with Herbert, but – I know Draven's not going to like our answers one bit on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, he can come on the pod and defend himself when he likes. The thing about it is Herbert has to do more right now for for that Chargers team. He just does. I mean, frankly, Alex, this team could be 0-5. I mean, this Chargers team, they have won two games literally despite of Brandon Staley trying to lose them the fucking game. And Justin Herbert's willed his team to a win. The defense has had some nice stops. They've started to figure some things out. By the way, just a quick add-on to the defense for the Chargers. Stopping the run has not been something they've been able to do, and they did that last night. And like you said, that's something that where you go, okay, if they can actually do that now and defend the pass, they got rid of J.C. Jackson, who was uh, just taking up a lot of space doing nothing. They can, I mean, that's a scary team all of a sudden. that It becomes, yep. okay, wait, I have to stop them, and then they're going to stop me after? Whoa. Yeah, they're Mac. They they defended the run last night, and pro, uh, leading up to this game, they were in middle of the pack rush defense. I mean, they they were averaging, they were allowing four yards a carry to, to teams. So like, you know, they're right around the middle of the pack. Cowboys offense got a lot. You know, that offensive line is talked about as one of the better offensive lines in the league. They've struggled, and that, that's one thing I took away from this game. They've struggled the last few weeks, and that's a concern mm. going forward because they're not able to, like you said, Dak gets sacked five times last night. They don't run the ball efficiently. The The O-line is struggling right now, and, and you know, I know that they've had a couple injuries. You had Zach Martin, who didn't even play last week. Um, you know, they, they've just had injuries along that offensive line, but still, they, they've been struggling the last few weeks, but... Also, the credit has to go toward the Chargers because they're getting after the quarterback. They're stopping the run like they did last night, and they're defending the pass. And when you look, especially too, at Khalil Mack, the the the, the season he's had so far in just four games, he's got fourteen <laughs> tackles for loss and six sacks. Six sacks in four games. He's sixth in the NFL in sacks. Um, and add on to that, two forced fumbles. Um, and not to mention. They've also got uh, Thule, who's been graded as one of the best defensive rookies uh, in the league. Um, for for those who don't know Thule, and, uh, and I'm going to butcher his last name here, Thule Tupulotu? Tupulotu? I think it's I, Tupulotu. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He, he's, been, he's been coming off the edge, and you, you know you just add into the fact that they, they still have Joey Bosa on that team as well. Like they've got a front that can get after teams and get past offensive lines, and you know, for as many times as Brandon Staley's going to shoot this team in the foot with how he goes forward on fourth down, they need they need the defense to come up with huge stops. And last night they they came to the call for the most part, except 
when it mattered most. But yeah, and this is this is one of those games where if you were going to say, "Hey, Herbert could have won them that game. He made too many mistakes." That's that's one of those things where I go, "Okay, you know what? On this particular instance, I'll give Herbert some some flack there. This was a game where he could have come up a little bit bigger." Would no, you blame ahead. him for that pick at the end? I think it was a bad throw. It wasn't a great throw, but Quentin Johnson sure didn't help him out. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. No, I think that's completely fair. I don't. I'm not going to pin that all on Herbert. I'm not pinning the loss on him, but he does deserves he he deserves some blame. He deserves some flack, and he does get a pass a lot of the time. I'm not going to give him a complete pass here, but <laughs> again, I think this team has won two games in large part because of Justin Herbert. I think this team has been competitive because of Justin Herbert and this defense now starting to try and figure this out. But you look at week one, 36-34 loss to the Dolphins. I mean, they were right there with the Dolphins. An overtime loss to the Titans. I don't even want to get into Brandon Staley in that game. My God. Uh, (laughs) And then you go to Chargers-Vikings. They should have lost that game because of Brandon Staley. The Vikings had 25 yards to score a touchdown at the end of the game and take over. Didn't happen. They won. Justin Herbert had a, a lights-out game against the Raiders. They won by a touchdown. Herbert was lights-out. And against the Cowboys, he has his worst game of the season, um, and they still are able to almost get a win. And, you know, you can call it a home game when you're playing the Cowboys and you're the Los Angeles Chargers with the worst fan base in the league. Uh, it's it's not. That's an away game, and you could tell last night. I mean, there were way more Cowboys fans. They can talk about that uh, random uh, Chargers lady who who went viral or whatever, and I, I hope that's real and not an NFL plant. If you know what I'm talking about, that woman going crazy. You remember her? Yeah, it's pretty pretty. Yeah, I, I just I think I just saw some evidence online. She's an actress. No, really? Yep, yep. Dang, dude! Even someone that passionate can't even be real for the Chargers. That is the most Charger thing. Oh, but hey, the Cowboys, the Cowboys fan base, like credit to them. They 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 travel everywhere, and and I mean, no, they do. They're dubbed America's team, whatever. Uh, so they've got fan bases everywhere. But I mean, you you're not wrong on the Chargers. They have a no fan base, and every game they play is basically a road game. And you mentioned Quinton Johnston on that last play, not really coming back, not getting up and battling for that ball. Uh, first round pick at a TCU in the national championship game last year, one of the best receivers in college football last season with Max Duggan and that electric TCU offense. Is it too early to call Quinton Johnston a bust? Where are you at? I'm, it, it, it may be early, but it's certainly it's on track right now. Um, the fact that they drafted him to ahead of Jordan Addison yep. uh, really looks bad on them right now because uh, yep. Jordan Addison is, is playing really well with the Vikings, and especially now with Justin Jefferson out, they're going to be leaning on him even more. Um, so that that looks bad on them right now. Um, and just to add on to you know a bad start to his rookie season, Johnson has yet to rack up over 20 receiving yards in a game. He also <laughs> has yet to have more than two receptions in a single game. Gosh. He's the only rookie wide receiver drafted within the first two rounds to do so this season. That's courtesy of NFL Rookie Watch on Twitter. Zero catches last night for zero yards. The six foot four athletic monster that is Quentin Johnston. And that was the whole thing. He's athletic, he's fast, he's strong. But does he have those intangibles? Does he have the IQ? D- d- does he have any of those things that we knew Addison, that we knew Zay Flowers had? These other guys come in right off the bat. They are playmakers and impactful players on the team that that 
result in, in wins and, and more competitive football, more efficient offenses. Quentin Johnston has not done that for Justin Herbert. And again, if a quarterback like Herbert on his level is not being able to actually lift you up and make you look even, you know, half decent, that tells me something, man. I mean, I mean, he's it, Herbert's more than willing to to throw it to to Josh Palmer, yep. to throw it to to Parnum or Everett. I mean, he's finding every aside from Keenan Allen, he's finding everyone else but Quentin Johnston. So I, it definitely says something. I mean, he did play his highest snap count of the season um, this yeah. this past game against the Cowboys. I think yeah. he played around fifty five percent of snaps, um, but courtesy of Alex Indsdorf on Twitter, he was bottom five amongst. Uh, chargers in offensive grade he was rated number the fourth worst with a 48.6 offensive rating did not like that draft pick when it was made and the chargers keep on chargering and that was the most i've seen justin herbert charger like that was the chargeriest charger that i've seen justin herbert do so i hope it's not becoming contagious you know the the charger virus uh, of of choking and losing and not living up to what you're supposed to do. I hope Herbert's not catching on to that. Stay away from Staley. You know, close up your doors. Make sure you're not catching the Charger virus. I mean, seriously, that's uh, Herbert's too good to be catching on to that. And, I, and after Staley's gone this year, I mean, fingers crossed, Jesus. Uh, maybe they can get a good coach in there and, and, and get him get him somewhere. But they're they're two and three, and I mean, their next three games. You look at their next three games. They got the Chiefs. This upcoming week, I think I'm going to be at that game. By the way, that'll be fun. And then they're gonna they're, they've got two really winnable games: the Bears and the Jets. I mean, as in they should win those games. Those are not those they should win those games. Bears at home, that's another primetime game. And then they go. Oh, wow, they've got two primetime games in a row. Wow, they got Sunday uh, and Monday night football back to back. They'll go at New York Jets. Um, and they should win the at least two of those next three games, obviously, at Kansas City. Are, are we chalking up the Jets as they should win that game? I, I, I think it's a good discussion. I think, that's, I think that's completely fair for you to say, and I, I've, I've got it later on in the pod, but we should do that right now because we're just segueing there. Yeah, I mean, are the Jets, like, they're three and three, man. Like, what? I, do they get we, like we, you look at you look at the teams they've beaten they've beaten the buffalo bills yep. they've beaten the philadelphia eagles mm-hmm. like you you can't you can't take that away they played the chiefs close like you you can't take that away now no, they have right. a bad loss in the patriots but i'm chalking that up to bill belichick the rest of this is like this team's real no i agree with you and we had a whole you know 30 minute segment episode one about what quarterback should the jets get they need to replace zach wilson he's hot garbage he may be the worst quarterback in the league and I don't know if any of that's necessarily changed. And that's crazy because they're actually three and three. And Zach Wilson has had a couple of moments these past two or three weeks. So it's interesting. Uh, and we'll get to Zach Wilson against the Eagles. First, I want to get to the other upset Browns Niners here. And I talked about it on the solo pod. Alex, you were able to listen in. I said this is going to be Brock Purdy's biggest test he's ever had in his career. And I was correct. This is this is the best defense in the league, this Cleveland Browns defense. They've got it all. All three levels, they are flying from sideline to sideline. They play physical. They're tenacious. They're in the right spot at the right time. Jim Schwartz has this defense clicking and flowing at a level early on. Again, week six, they've played five games that other teams are not at. And, 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 and just to show you statistically, and I think we we're going to get into this a little later, but I'll just do it now. 
Through five games, the Browns have allowed just 1,002 yards. They're allowing an average of 200 yards a game. That's the fewest allowed through five games by any team since 1971, Alex, since the Baltimore Colts when they allowed 836 yards. This is not just because most of the time we're breaking up stats and it's like of this century, of this decade, of the last five years, modern NFL. No, that this is everything, man. This is when defenses were physical and were tenacious and when football was real football. This This was back then. This is the Browns defense we're watching. They've allowed 27 passing first downs this year. The next closest is the Cowboys with 51 allowed passing first downs. That is insane. The difference between first and second is the same as second and 14th in the league right now for passing first downs. And just overall passing yards, 607. (laughs) 607 in five games. The next is the Packers with 972. Like, Mac, Mac, (sighs) when you, like, and, and that... Look, I, there's no denying how impressive that is. It's insane. But can we can we look at their opponents? Do it. You Bengals week one in which it was rainy, miserable conditions playing in. All right, and and we talked about how Joe Burrow was clearly hampered by the calf at that point. You had a Steelers offense that has looked terrible all season. You had the Titans. You had the Ravens and then the 49ers in tough conditions amongst a ton of injuries that they suffered. Okay, fair. Can I just say, it? The when you paint that full picture, you got to also paint the part of they didn't have their quarterback. They had no offense. I mean, they're not scoring sure. points, and they're having to go out there and play more snaps than any other defense right now and be on the field and be counted for. So, yes, I, I think we can you know, go back and forth with those sorts of things, but... This is I don't know, man. I, I I don't know if I have if I know a better of a better of a defense that's clicking in midseason form like the Browns are right now. I I don't know of it. I would have said the Niners, and they had some good moments. Jets, 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 yeah, Jets, Jets are for sure. Jets are for sure. I I've got I've got some stats to bring to the table on Jets defense when we get into the Eagles game. Okay, great. Okay, I think the Jets should be in that top three, top four, top five conversation, no doubt. And you're right. Maybe I'm disrespecting them a, a, a little bit here. You're right. They've played a lot of really good quarterbacks, and they've played each one of them close. And they've got that offensive issue, too, as well. I mean, it's not like they have this booming offense and Zach Wilson's thrown for 300 yards a night. They're having to really keep teams uh, you know, at bay as well. So, no, I'll, I'll give you that. But either way, this this Browns defense is clicking. I would consider them the best defense, and I think that's right now objective. We have to see more. We'll see. I think yes. you can argue Jets, but I think right now that is the best defense in the league. And Brock Purdy, he's like four for 13 in the second half for like 46 yards um, and a pick. He wasn't good by any means. He wasn't awful. We've seen much worse quarterbacking this season. But let's just look at the facts. Best running back in the league and the best player on the team, Christian McCaffrey, gets hurt. Now, 11 carries for 43 yards, three catches for nine yards. He was on the field for a lot of the game. I mean, and still, the Browns held him to under four yards a carry and three yards a catch on three catches. And you lose Debo Samuel early on in the game. That's your best wide receiver. Not by a a crazy wide margin, but it's your best wide receiver. And you lose your, or you have an injured, excuse me, a hobbled Trent Williams in what is widely considered the best left tackle in the game. So no doubt, you're missing your best players on your team. But 
it's not to say that there's no one left with you. The rest of your offensive line is still good. Trent Williams is still out there. You've got other receivers. You've got other weapons. You've got, I was going to say the best, the, a top five offensive mind in the league. Fine. There's no way you can you can argue that. He's top five. If you don't want to say he's number one, whatever he is, but fine. He's top five. And he wasn't really able to, to make it happen. To give Brock Purdy some credit, Alex, when they needed it, he did get them down a field for a 41, I think, yard field goal, 46. I can't quite remember the yardage on the last field goal that Jake Moody, the rookie, uh, missed. But either his, way... His first two misses of the season, too. Both, yep, both in this game. Exactly. Both very makeable. These are under 50-yard kicks. I mean, these these are these are kicks that you should be you know, making. I, I completely agree. But either way, 4 for 13, 46 yards in the second half and a pick. You've got to be able to lift your team up in some moments. And that was this early on test where week six at Cleveland. But I want to see Brock Purdy do more in those situations. I do. And they should have won that game. Jake Moody makes that kick. Maybe we're having a different conversation. But I'm still looking at the numbers, man. I'm still going, okay, he was four for 13 for 46 yards and a pick. Are we worried? I, I, and that's that's where, I, look, I, I expected Watching that game, I I expected a little bit more out of him, but I do think injuries to those kind of weapons, those those kind of guys that you kind of make your whole offensive game plan around, and, and McCaffrey and Debo Samuel to lose both of them is is tough to game to manage because you had you know you had Elijah Mitchell who was coming back off a knee injury the last two weeks, and he was clearly limited because they turned to Jordan Mason more out of the backfield. He looked good. He wasn't too. Yeah, he was all right. Yeah, statistically, I, I you're right. Say. He wasn't good. Statistically, you're right. He wasn't good. Just eye test. I, I don't know. McCaffrey is leaning towards playing on Monday night, but if he's not, I think Mason is a decent player. It looked like. I don't know a ton about him. I mean, Elijah Mitchell earlier this season, um, I think it was. I want to say it was the Rams game or the Giants game. Got, um, got some decent work just because of the, the way in which the game broke out and in which it was a blowout. And he was effective out of the backfield running the ball. So, uh, you know, Elijah Mitchell is, was their starter before they acquired McCaffrey. So he he's a serviceable guy. Um, but losing Debo, too, brings in Juwan Jennings. You know, VFL, we love him. And he made some huge catches on that drive that Purdy he took did. them down the field um, to put them in position to tie the game with the field goal. Um, Brandon Ayuk did not have his his greatest game of the year. He had a few bad drops um, that would have been huge for Purdy. But also, too, Mac, the, the weather conditions weren't weren't great. It was another Cleveland, 12 o'clock Cleveland yeah. game where it's just stormy. They had been talking about how it had been storming uh, the last two days, and then all of a sudden it starts raining in the second <laughs> half so bad that Brock Purdy drops back to pass oh. and literally – the ball slips from his hand and goes yeah. backwards and and almost fumbled the ball. I mean, it was just – it was tough conditions, but I think most of the credit still has to go toward the Browns' defense and just how they have locked people up this season um, compared to, you know, saying, oh, Purdy just can't get it done in the big spot. Uh, I, I think you have to – you have to – it, the the blame should not lay on him because no. you factor in the defense that he was facing. You factor the weather conditions and the injuries. 
I just wouldn't put that blame on him. And the fact that he did, he still was able to drive them down the field to get them in a position to tie the game and go to overtime, I think we still have to give him credit for. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I think he did just enough. But I'm just thinking ahead here, playoffs, you know, if you don't get that first seed in, you're at Philadelphia and what's a crazy environment. The weather may not be good there. It's going to be nice. It's going to be very cold. And you're going to have fans screaming at you. And and who knows, man, Debo Samuel may pull a hammy in the second half. And, and Trent Williams is an older left tackle, and he may not be 100% come week 19 or week 20, whatever it is. And you're going to have to make that play on third down and eight, whatever it is. You're going to have to extend the play. You're going to have to get out of the pocket. You're going to have to make the right read. And I think Purdy has the ability to do that. But I don't know how often he can summon that. And I don't think it'll have to be very often, but there's going to be a time, man. This this is a 49ers team that hasn't stayed healthy for years throughout the whole season. They always have a, a one or two key guys down, and I'm, I'm not hoping for that. No one is. But let's just be honest. Every team's not going to be 100%, and Purdy's going to have to be there. If this team's 100%, yeah, it's, yeah cool. Purdy will be great. It'll be, it'll be awesome. But it, it's it's more yep. than likely not going to be that way. So I just want to see how often he can summon that I'm going to lift my team up ability. And maybe this was a good test for him and for Shanahan to say, okay, what's our Brock Purdy play bag? What's, uh, I've got my Debo Samuel bag. I've got my CMC bag, which is just deep as ever. It's Mary Poppins style. And I've got you know a Brandon Ayuk play call. And I've got George Kittle to get three touchdowns in a random game. Where's my, hey, no matter who's in the game, this is what Purdy likes to run. This is what he's going to work at in a high-pressure situation where we need him to do that. And maybe that's a situation now where Shanahan and Purdy can go, okay, let's go look at this. Because in Week 15, when we're in a must-win game against whoever to get the first seed, we need you. And uh, I hope they get there. I think they will. I'm not worried about Brock Purdy necessarily. This is kind of where I was last week. Just to say that he does have the best team in the league and, and and it won't always be that way. And he's going to play great defenses. And we saw that this week and he still did enough to win. I want to make that clear. They should have won that game, but we'll see. I, I think, I think that's a fair assessment. I'm not, I don't think I'm being too harsh, right? No, no, not at all. I, I completely agree with it. Good. I just want to make sure I'm not being a pretty hater. Cause I know I, I love pretty. I was, I was one of his biggest supporters last year. So it's weird for me being on the other end now, kind of being like, Whoa, let's slow the roll but I'm having to a little bit other big upset yeah, that I happened. Mean, uh, sorry. Sorry, Alex. Go. I, I was just going to conclude it with Brock Tober's off to a spooky start. You <laughs> Brock Purdy. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, let's see what happens in, in November and get the spotlight off him for a minute. Okay. Eagles jets. Uh, another big upset. This was one that uh, I saw. I less expected here. I didn't necessarily expect. Niners Browns, let me be clear, but that was one that I, I I was one of the few people that thought that was feasible because I believe in that Browns defense the way I do. Um and it took some injuries, it took a couple of play it took a couple of uh, maybe questionable uh calls from the refs, but either way, Eagles Jets 20 to 14 the men in green get a win, and Bill Simmons said this on his podcast. I I kind of agree with it. That was the Hurts pick 6 there, worst throw we've seen from a star QB this whole season. I, he he was abysmal this game. Three interceptions, a swift fumble. They had four total turnovers. And we kind of chalked up their slow start. We've talked about them every week on this podcast. 
surprisingly, Alex. And every week we've kind of just been like, nah, they're fine. They're still winning. It doesn't look great. Brian Johnson's figuring it out, new OC. Eh, they'll be fine. Does this game change that for you? I mean, it. I think it it ups the panic meter okay, and, and the worry meter of what is wrong with this team. Because it's, it's just not... Like the the record was all there, right? They they had they were trying to become the first team to go six and zero um, this year, and they would have been the lone undefeated team in the league. And when you look too at, um, I know they put up a graphic before the game for teams that had gone to, I want to say two Super Bowls in in a three two year span, or teams that lose in the Super Bowl and start the next year two and or six and zero. There had only been four teams to do so. Um, and all four of those teams that had done so had won a Super Bowl. Um, wow. In either their first year or it, it was, it, I'm sorry, the graphic was teams that played in a Super Bowl and then started the next season 6-0. and So whether or not they won the Super Bowl in the first year or they won the Super Bowl in their second year, all four of those teams that had done so had won a Super Bowl. Wow. And the Eagles were were hoping to be one of those teams, and the fact that they lost to this Jets it it, it shocked me. Um, and and I completely agree with Bill Simmons' take. Like that's that hurts interception was. What, what are you thinking on? That? What are you doing? What are you doing? And we've seen every quarterback make a throw like that this season, I think, but not at that point in the game, and not for your what's your third pick. And, and it's it's you know he threw three picks. Yes, yesterday and in, in the or on Sunday, I'm sorry, and the Jets are missing their best corner and Sauce Gardner. Both they their best corners, play. Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. They both didn't play. Yep, they both didn't. Have, both your best corners are out, and you've got AJ Brown, DeAndre Swift, Goddard. You've got this O line, uh, Devonte Smith. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, Devonte Smith. <sighs> yeah, man, it's it's rough, and this is. I'm a Hurts guy, you know. I, I think he's elite. I think he's got it all. But this this is one of those things where it makes me take a step back and take a step back and kind of go, okay, am I am I going a little too soon here? Is he not quite ready at week in, week out to be that elite processor, elite playmaker? He's got all the intangibles, but is he I don't know, my over I, I it just it just kind of made me go, wait, what? Like Sauce Gardner and DJ, like how are you losing this game? How did you score fourteen points this week? And 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 Mac, but we've been talking about it for weeks. How they've it's been a tale of two halves with them. Either their their offense struggles in the first half and then blows up in the second half, or their defense plays unbelievable in the first half and then lets their foot off the pedal in the second half. Like it's just been the story of this team all season. Is they haven't put together a good collective performance over four quarters. No, they haven't. Their offense has shown blips and flashes of like, oh, okay, that's them. Oh, okay, there's A.J. Brown down the sideline. Oh, there's Devontae Smith with a, a huge yak play. And oh, there's Jalen Hurts with the tush push. And oh, there's this O-line guarding for 10 seconds. And you had Lane Johnson go out with an injury. I haven't gotten an update on Lane Johnson, so I don't know uh, the severity there. I think he'll be back. I don't believe, I haven't heard anything um, like season ending or anything like that. I'm looking it up right now just for for a quick update there. But e- either way, this is this is an Eagles team, and yeah, just so you know, Lane Johnson did avoid a, 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 any season ending major injury there, so it looks like he's going to be back soon, which is which is massive. I mean, he went out and this offense just kind of stalled, and he's the best right tackle in football probably. 
So that just shows how important he is, even to an offensive line that that's fan, that is that fantastic. Um, yeah, it's an offense that's gone through their their woes, and we've talked about the Jets' defense. They're now three and three. Alex, is, is Zach Wilson enough for the Jets? Their next three games: Giants, Chargers, and Raiders for the Jets. Giants, Chargers, and Raiders. Dude, dude, they can. Why am I? Why am I scared to play the Jets? Why am I scared of the Giants playing the? (laughs) Seriously, like that's a thing. They could win all three of those games. They could be six and three in three weeks, and I wouldn't be shocked. Five and four, I'm kind of like banking on. I mean, and and I've got look. We're we're talking about it. Yeah, I know too. This is this is on our agenda to talk about. Zach Wilson, but I, I think a lot of it, the credit and a lot of the reason why they've they've stayed in these games against no doubt top teams, top offenses, has to be their defense. I mean, their defense is carrying this team. Robert Sala even said in his post game com- press conference, he went as far as to say that this defense has embarrassed, embarrassed were the words he used, some of the top quarterbacks in this league, which is how how well they've played all around. Um, so as far as the Jets defense goes, this is courtesy of Paul Hembo of of ESPN. They've allowed one touchdown in the second half the entire season through six games. Wow. They've only lost the turnover battle once in six games with Zach Wilson as their quarterback. They've only lost the turnover battle once this season. Damn. That's nuts. And on, on Sunday, they pressured Jalen Hurts. 20 times that's six more than any game over the last two seasons and this is with zach wilson throwing for 186 yards zero touchdowns zero picks and the defense is able to just like you say they're just able to do what they need to do and the fact i mean that turnover battle stat that's that's shocking man that 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 shows the defense has done their job and frankly it's shown that zach wilson's done his job i mean just looking at wilson here Five interceptions. He had three against the Cowboys, though. He had three picks that game. He had one pick versus the Bills. And so in the over these last four weeks, he's had one interception against the Broncos team. And it was a bad pick. I believe it was in the red zone, or at least it was on the Broncos side of the field. But so uh, that shows a little bit for both of them. Like, wow, okay. The, and if you're the Jets, I guess right now they're going, okay, hey, we're three and three. We don't want to invest anymore in the quarterback position because we're banking on Rodgers. This season, low key, is that what's happening? Is am I going to see Aaron Rodgers on the football field in five weeks from an Achilles injury uh, with this defense? Is that what's happening? He was uh, on the Ma- field throwing. Mac- yeah, he looked good. He looked great. I was <laughs> like, like he's going to be back playing? in a couple weeks. <laughs> it looked <laughs> like Aaron Rodgers will be back. It looked like Aaron Rodgers will be back on the field before Kyler Murray will this season. No, he uh, Rodgers. I must- mean, it- he resigned with State Farm for sure. He's got the discount double check. Something's happening. I mean, this is nuts. What's going on? It's been like a few weeks. I mean, I listening mean, to those dolphin sex sounds, I guess, just magically, uh, <laughs> magically cures your Achilles. I guess that's the game changer. So I, I don't know what's going on with this Jets team. I, I don't know if Rodgers is coming back. If he is, be scared. If he if he is seventy percent of Rodgers. Which again, this is literally unprecedented. Him doing that. I mean, this is a year plus injury most of the time. This Achilles, and he's forty. So I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't. I don't know. I have no. I have no idea. This new, this different surgery that he's got. But most people are in crutches and in a boot 
for weeks and months after an Achilles surgery. He's walking in, in tennis shoes, throwing on a turf field, throwing the, spinning the ball around. So I, none of us know. If you say you know you're lying, like he could be playing. I, I don't know. But if he is, and if he is, looks anything like Aaron Rodgers, this team is fucking scary, Alex. Because three and three with, with no Rodgers through this schedule, through a gauntlet, and they're three and three. And their next three games, again, are Giants, Chargers, and Raiders. They just went through that, you know, hell sick, hell of a six weeks. And now you've got three games that they can win all three of those. And I think they should win two of them. So it's nuts, man. It's nuts. I don't know. And I, I got to give the Jets credit because I feel like in past Jets regimes, they wouldn't have done this in terms of, you know, they bring in Dalvin Cook this offseason to, you know, big free agent signing, to a running back who's had great success in the league during his time in Minnesota. And Dalvin just, you could tell from week one, yep. was just not in great shape. He's cooked. And, and clearly looks like he's lost a step. Yep. And, you know, they brought him in to trump a guy in Breeze Hall who had a great season last year until he, he tore his ACL. Breeze Hall finally, you know, through three weeks, they – or. I should say four weeks, they said, all right, he's he's fully healed from his ACL. There will be no more workload restrictions on him. And I feel like in the Jets' past, they would still honor that free agent running back and have him get the majority carries, and Brees Hall would be second fiddle. But the Jets clearly saw that Brees Hall was back to his, his self, the way in which he was performing last season prior to injury, and said, we're going to continue to feed the hot hand. And you saw Brees Hall explode last week against the Broncos. Bear in mind, Broncos' defense is terrible. Worse than the league, yep. And this week, didn't do too much against the Eagles, but they're still giving him the majority of carries, and Dalvin Cook's taking a back seat. So much so that, that they're even rumored to be shopping Dalvin Cook around the league because they're just there's no use for him. And I feel like the Jet, this, that's, that's the Jets finally growing up. Because I've all, I've always looked at them as that little brother that makes yeah. the poor decisions, and and very much just looks to abide by name or you know play the name game and play those those guys who are on the back end of their career and show that loyalty to them because they think that all of a sudden they're going to spark back to those their primes. And Dalvin Cook clearly looks past it to where the Jets are like, all right, we don't need to use him. And, and credit goes to Nathaniel Hackett, too, because I think he's been catering their offensive game plan more and more each week to Zach Wilson. Because, I mean, he, going into the season, he was prepared for an Aaron Rodgers year. Yep. And now that completely Great point. flipped. Great and point. And he's been having to make adjustments to that, and he is he is working wonders with it. And, just, and all he needs to do is just make it work to where they can win football games. And that's what they've been doing the last three weeks. It's such it's such a magnificent point, Alex, because you've got Hackett, who's worked with Rodgers and at a you know a high level, a successful level with the Packers, and so he's got all those plays with Rodgers, and he's cooking up new stuff with him over the off season, months in the lab, creating all this stuff, off season practice, seeing it on the field, just figuring all this stuff out in the lab together, and boom, then you've got to completely change everything about your offense because Zach Wilson's not Aaron Rodgers and he's had to do that on the fly. So I, I think that's a great point and he's been able to do it. So uh, Jets get a crazy win. One of the biggest, uh, you know, Jets wins in the past few years. 
excited for them. Again, their next three games, Giants, Chargers, Raiders, the Eagles next three games, Dolphins, Commanders, Cowboys, a little bit different of the next three games. Uh, two of those, I mean, top, top teams. And we've talked about the Eagles' struggles on offense, Alex. They've obviously noticed them too. They signed Julio Jones today, free agent, all pro, pro bowler, you know, one of the best wide receivers I've ever seen in my life. I don't want to say for sure Hall of Famer because the Hall of Fame is so hard, but, you know, this guy is is next level, was next level, to be clear. He's now 35. Keyword word there, Mac. Yes. It's been, it's been two years or so since he's done anything of worth. What do you think about this signing? To to me, I, I I I it doesn't move the needle to me because I think the the last we saw of Julio Jones with this with Titans w- was tough to watch for a guy that we grew up just idolizing, but at what he was capable of in Atlanta um, with Matt Ryan and the numbers that he would put up and the, the crazy <laughs> athleticism and and just the skill level that he had. Uh, it, so much so that, you know, wide receivers that have come out of college in Alabama, you know, arguably wide receiver you, they all rank Julio Jones as the number one wide receiver to ever come from that yeah. university. Yes, sir. But it, it, I just think when you looked at his Titans stint, and I don't I don't know how much of the blame you want to place on, on just how bad that Titans offense has been on Ryan Tannehill. He deserves some some criticism as well, but I, Julio Jones clearly lost a couple steps. And you know, I'm not saying that he he can't get you a first down when you need one. I think he's still capable of that, but he's certainly not a deep threat that he used to be. He, but he can certainly be helpful on kind of short yardage situations where you need a big target because that's one thing that dude brings is his physicality and his size and just how much of a natural red zone target that he is. Um, he, he brings that to the table and I'm sure Nick Sirianni will find a way to make use of him um, in that regard. But yeah, I, he, I, I, to me, it's, it's not a game changer. It's not something that me as a Giants fan goes, Oh my gosh, another one. And, and think that, that just moves the needle completely to where we can chalk Eagles Super Bowl win up for a fa- for what's going to happen. Agreed. I think this is not a needle mover in that way. I think there will be a few marquee plays this regular season that he makes, but come later on in the season and in playoffs, I think that's where Julio Jones could become a factor, as you said, in the red zone and on third downs. Just taking a look here at their receiving stats, you've obviously got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith as the top two receivers. 60 and 45 targets. Then you've got Dallas Goddard, your next, you know, uh, most prolific receiver, 36 targets. And then DeAndre Swift is your next guy, 27 targets. And after that, your third wide receiver on this list comes in at fifth with seven targets, four receptions for 74 yards, Olamide Zacchaeus. That, that is your third receiver, Olamide Zacchaeus and Quez Watkins. Quez Watkins, five targets, four receptions for 21 yards. They don't have anyone playing wide receiver oh, what, besides Brown and Smith. Now you can actually what, what bring happened in... To Jay, what, what happened to Jalen Rieger? How did that pick work out yeah, for them? It's, 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 it's terrible. <laughs> yes, yes. Get, get your jabs in. This is your chance to get your jabs in. You're going to lose your division. This team has the chance to go to the Super Bowl. But yeah, get them in. 
Really feel good about that, Alex. But this is the thing, man. You've got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. You can't run three wide receiver sets. Not sets, not seriously. You can stick Swift out there, but you want him in the backfield as a blocker or, or to come out and run a route uh, out of the backfield. You've got Goddard there on the end. You're not going to go have him. He's not some sort of like a Kyle Pitts-esque tight end. So mm-hmm. you don't have a third receiver to really go out and throw out there in a, in a thirteen in a, in a three wide receiver set. So I think Julio Jones can be that. It, not all the time, but on red zones and third downs, and he he can make a corner think, and he knows how to sit in the zone, and he's going to be able to understand this playbook. He's a locker room boost, and he can still channel some of that high-level playmaking that he once had in droves. And to me, this is a no-risk, high-reward signing that makes sense for the team. I love it. I'm not going to say it's it's a game changer. They're going to the Super Bowl now, but I love the signing. Yeah. Okay. That, that's fair. That's fair. If if now if you're talking about like me as a Chiefs fan, I'm not going. Dang it! I wish we would have gotten Julio Jones. Ah, uh, because I don't. The Chiefs don't have a wide receiver one, two, or like they don't have any of those things. They don't have other weapons garnering away attention. Julio Jones would do nothing in this offense because the best corner could go guard him if they wanted to. They could double team him if they wanted to. He's going to have to be a man beater. On the Eagles, he's not going to have to be a man beater. He's not going he's, to. He's just he's surplus the requirements there. I mean, he's yep. they they've got what they need in Smith and AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard being a, a arguably a top five receiving tight end in the league. I you know Julio Jones just adds another threat to that offense. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's just one more layer to them, and I don't know throughout the regular season how often it'll come out. I think there will be a lot of one-catch, seven-yard games or no-catch, whatever games for Julio Jones. But come later in the season and come in the playoffs, Julio Jones has the chance to be a serious playmaker. And when everyone's worrying about Swift and Hurts and Goddard and Smith and you know one of the best receivers in the league in A.J. Brown... It's going to be crazy to see a six foot five Julio Jones wide open. Like that's that's something that is scary, and I think it's I think it's plausible. Um, let's go to some overreactions here. Um, week six now, you know, there's enough stats, enough sample size here, NFL wise, anyways, to start going. Okay, these are these numbers mean something. Th- this take now means something. This team being bad or being good or whatever it may be is actually starting to to have some actual meat behind it a month and a half in. So we'll see what's an overreaction and, and what actually makes sense here. Uh, real quick here, Alex. Lions can make the NFC Championship game a resounding win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, just absolutely smoked them. And Dan Campbell and this team's rolling right now. Could they make the NFC Champ game? Is that an overreaction? Yes. No, it's not an overreaction. Wow. I agree. Wow. Wow. But the injury injury bug's hitting them a little bit right now because you had Jameer Gibbs, who's been banged up the last two weeks, not to mention they have not used him properly um, <laughs> before that. David Montgomery gets injured this week, who's been unbelievable, their bell cow, out of the backfield. But, you know, Jameer Gibbs will be back. With their offensive line, one of the best offensive lines in the league, their run defense has been unbelievable. They have not allowed a 100-yard rusher at all this season. Um, they they certainly, I think, will put themselves in position uh, to be 
to get themselves to an NFC championship with having to beat a, an Eagles or a 49ers team on the road. Agreed. I think there are four teams who can make the NFC championship game, and they are one of them. They are one of them right now. Uh, and that could change, obviously. I have not seen any teams elevate themselves to that echelon or descend themselves below it. Um, but it is the Lions, the Cowboys, and then, of course, the 49ers and the Eagles. Those are the four teams in the NFC who have a serious shot at the NFC champ game. Okay, uh, which is crazy. Good for good for Detroit. Seriously, good for Detroit. Love watching them play football. Uh, and, and you mentioned the injuries. Jamison Williams, though, also back for them after a suspension. Not necessarily yep. an injury thing, but gaining another guy back. Uh, Panthers, the best bet to win their division, plus 1,800 on BetMGM, plus 2,000 on some other books. What do you think? Is that an overreaction? Could the Panthers win this, you know, shitty NFC South? No. No, Mac, that's an overreaction. I already crossed I already crossed them off week week three, week mm. two mm. of the pod. So no. Absolutely not. I they looked better this week, which mm. credit to them. They looked a whole lot better, especially in that first half against Miami, where they really put Miami in a deficit. Um, and Bryce Young looked a whole lot more comfortable. That's this it. Week. That's it. Bryce started to look better. The script of those first fifteen plays looked uh, efficient, and he was calm. And I, I'm excited about that. But pff, no, this team stands no chance. This is one of the worst teams in the NFL. The Titans should become sellers. I talked about this last week, so you know my take here. I, I, I've been on this. This team needs to be selling. Is that an overreaction, though? At 2-4, and four, we saw this team make an AFC championship game a few years back after starting the season 2-4. and four. But this Titans team feels different than 2019, Alex. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, would, I would say that's not an overreaction. I would agree that Titans should be sellers. Uh, I, I just think if you're a Titans fan, you look at this team, what promise is there? Well, what, you know, this year, let's say, you know, say that they do make a playoff appearance, they get they get out first round. What promise is there to look forward to next year? There's not really much there. You have a lot of aging guys on the roster. I, I think it's time to, to blow it up and look for a bit of a change. Uh because I I feel like this the nucleus of this roster, you know, the Jeffrey Simmons, Kevin Byard kind of defense that they've had the last few years that it's still effective to this day. I mean, they they played well yeah, against the Ravens in London, but this offense is just going to continue to look miserable, and you're not going to know what you're going to get every week. I I think you've ran your last legs with the Derrick Henry carry us and save us. Um, at this point, the Ryan Tannehill I think era is we could say is is about time is about to close after this season. What is there to look forward to? So I, I think it's time for them to start acquiring capital. I think you illustrated it perfectly last week on the pod. It's time for them to start blowing things up and getting some pieces to be able to have some pieces for the future moving forward to look forward to. Um, because John Robinson left them in a terrible position that they're in now um, with how he kind of mortgaged uh, a lot of the, their future and didn't and, – whiffed on some draft picks that really burned them in the end. Oh, com completely whiffed those last three years, especially left them with no young assets 
And now you've got Rand Carthon with not a lot of picks and not a lot of young talent. And that's not going to work. And you're right. What is there to look forward to? And Titans fans, like, you know, you can hear him scream, Will Levis, Malik Willis, whichever side they're on, because that's another polarizing debate. But with what offensive line? With what weapons besides DeAndre Hopkins? And, and did, did Malik Willis really look that great in the London game to go, oh, yeah, that's our quarterback for the future? Uh, no. Has he ever looked at that, that great? No, because it, Titans fans, it, let's be honest here. Josh Dobbs looked better last year than Malik Willis. He did. He did. Dobbs is a vet. Willis is a second-year player out of Liberty. Okay, so that's that's what I'm going to say right there. So let's let's cut some slack from Malik Willis. I'm not out on him at all. At, at all. I think if you put Patrick Mahomes behind that Titans offensive line right now, it wouldn't look super pretty. I, I don't think you can judge any young quarterback right there in, in the Tennessee Titans fairly. I just don't. I don't think you're going to figure out anything. I don't think you're going to find out if Will Levis or Malik Willis is the future, and you won't be able to unless you get assets, unless you get some young pieces, some offensive line, and you've got Derrick Henry, who looked good last week. Sell him. Go sell him right now. Package him with a fourth-round pick and see if you can get a second. You, you want to talk about bright spots on, on the Titans roster? Tajay Spears looks like a nice one. Exactly. You've got a like, guy why, Tajay why not? Spears. By the way, one target against Baltimore in London. For, he went off for 46 yards or whatever it was. Get him the ball more. Get him the ball more. He's explosive. He may be the most explosive player on this team, barring Derrick Henry, maybe Hopkins. But, I mean, he's unbelievable. You've got that. You've got some young pieces that you can just show more and, and, and gather some, some extra ones in a draft, which you only have a first, a second, a fourth, and three seventh-round picks. So you've got to go see if you can get some other picks. Danico Autry. Even a guy like Kevin Byard could go get you some picks and 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 see what you can do. Um, it, pass rushers, they've got pass Arden Key, Harold Landry. Like, see if you can package someone and go get a third round, a fourth round pick, and just start building up some capital. Titans should be sellers. Dolphins, is this Dolphins offense the best you've ever seen? Six weeks. I don't in. think that's an overreaction, man. <laughs> What? I it, it's it's up there, Mac. Oh, it's up no. there. God. It's up there. They could be in a four. They were in a fourteen nothing deficit and turn that around in the snap of a finger against the Panthers. Against the true, Panthers. True, true, But to put seventy points on a, an NFL franchise isn't is not only an embarrassment for the other team, but it's an incredible accomplishment for your team to be able to do so. I mean, they just have. So many, like the way Mike McDaniel, the gadgets that he uses, or, or just the just constant motion of their wide receivers, it literally makes it like impossible for defenses to be able to keep them in check. And and Tyreek, the the fact that he's he's almost has a a thousand yard season already, and we're only six games in, is ridiculous. I mean, it, it's insane. It, Raheem Mostert, I thought his, I thought he was on the back half of his. You know, with running backs, their careers are very short. I thought he was on the back half of his running back prime window, and Raheem Mostert, my goodness, best running back in the league so far this season. Savon Ahmed got a, a a carry and got a like a touchdown. Exactly, dude. Mac. He's no, been it, healthy and active this season. No, exactly. That's what I was it, uh, it just it, you put some fast guys on this offense. Mike McDaniel's getting them open because of the pieces. I don't think that's cuz this offense is 
is the best we've ever seen or even you know top five that top five that i've ever seen it might be top five but it's not top three and you mentioned that 70 point broncos out outing awesome cool Great. Worst defense in the league. You just ran it up on them, and they were all pissed. Mike McDaniels had his revenge story. What did you do the next week, though, Alex? What did they do? They put up 20 against the Bills. Fell apart. Started out hot. It was a fun first quarter. Bills, Bills, one of the best defenses in the league. Exactly. That's yeah. the, that, Exactly. I, I what about the next best okay. defense they played? The Patriots, who they did have their best two players at the time, and Judon and Christian Gonzalez. But it wasn't the Patriots defense that we thought. It's still top 10 for sure, um, especially at that time. I don't know about now. Now it's it's all a dumpster fire there. But 24 points. I mean, I, I think they're mortal. Uh, they play the Chiefs in three weeks. And that's another good defense. Let's see what they do then. Let's see what they okay. do. Let's see what those motherfuckers do then. I'm excited. I, I, I'm so and, – and let's be clear. Uh, they're averaging eight yards per play right now. No one else is averaging above six yards per play. So the gap between Miami and the second place team is larger than the gap between the second place team and the last place team in yards per play. It's unreal. The six weeks they're having is unreal. You know how you up some of those stats, a 70 point game and a 40 point game against two of the worst teams in the league. So, so they've already done that. Okay. Now let's go here. Dolphins offense. It's scary. Good, but let's just see the defenses. That's what we're talking about that they face through the six games, 19th, 24th, 32nd, fifth, where they, Lost by 28 points. They put up 20 points. 28th, 31st. They've played three of the bottom five defenses. And then the other two are, are one's bottom 10, the other's near it. I'm just saying let's hold our horses. I think they're super fun. I think they're explosive. And Mike McDaniel and the speed on that team is electric. You can't take your eyes off of when you're watching this offense. That's an overreaction, though. They, they got Chase Claypool, too. <laughs> Just, another, just, another weapon add to the fold. They say they're going to use him as a tight end, Mac. Oh my God. Uh, gosh. Um, speaking of of wide receivers that don't do much anymore, MVS, Marquez Valdez Scantling, is he an NFL wide receiver anymore? Dude, let, let me let me pull this up. Let me see if I have this. I, th- I thought I wrote this down, but I guess I didn't. Now, let me find this real quick. He's got seven receptions on, I believe it's like 186 routes ran. He, he is, he's getting professional cardio right now with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's, he is jogging on the field, and he's just going out and getting uh, his elliptical workout, except live on the field. What is he doing? Is he running more route, is, has he run more routes this season than Justin Ross has? Oh, way more. Justin Ross, yeah, way more. Way, 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 way more. So yeah, here we go. Seven receptions on 182 routes. That is the the inefficiency is unbelievable. This is like this was the this is I, I mentioned it last week. This was like the biggest veteran on the team. He had he had done things with Aaron Rodgers, and now I'm kind of just starting to be convinced. Okay, you've had two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL your whole tenure. Is is that who you are, MVS? Are you a product of Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes? That's fine. It's just not what I thought he was after what was an incredible AFC championship game against the Cincinnati Bagels, where he he put that offense on their back in the second half. I I, I am so disappointed in MVS, man. I he's got to stop stop start playing less. He has to start playing less. Uh is he an NFL wide receiver? That may have been a little harsh for me. Is he an NFL starter? No, not right now. Hell no. Hell no. Uh, on some teams, yes. But God, I don't. On a Chiefs team, 
But that's on a Chiefs even, team that doesn't have wide yeah, receivers. Yeah, that's the thing. On a Chiefs team that's depleted at wide receiver, that's it makes you think. That's what I'm saying, dude. Like, Rasheed Rice needs to be playing over him, who, by the way, star, this guy's a star in the making. I'm all in. So that's not to say Rice isn't good. That's just saying this is a rookie that's just already completely taking your place and done more than it with it than you ever did. I mean, I, I don't... <sighs> Sky Moore, second-year player out of SMU. He's I, doing I more. I thought Sky Moore was supposed to be the next star. Yeah, Chief I know. So wide receiver. I already had to admit my L last week, okay? I'm sad about it. I love Sky. I just don't think it's happening. Ugh. But, yeah, man, I, I'm i upset about MVS, man. I I, I, I want to see him do something. Uh, we play Again, tr- Chiefs play the Chargers next week. I'll be at Arrowhead. Mar- hey, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, turn up your headphones, buddy. I'm going to be at Arrowhead Stadium. I need to see you. I'm not even asked for Catch a pass. Can you catch a f- pass? Get open. All right, that's enough. I'm done. Oh, God. I, can, um, I can't wait for you to be the only person in the stadium that goes wild when, when MVS just catches one pass for like five yards. Yeah. Let's go. You're, you're just chanting. You're just chanting. Yes. 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 <laughs> Everyone's like, what, dude? This guy's garbage. I'm like, I know, but I asked him for this. He listened to me. All right. Uh, let's go to some cross-offs. That was some fun overreaction stuff. Uh, Alex. Uh, you kind of started this cross-off game and that you've made a whole little competition out of it. I love it. Explain it to the listeners and then explain where we're at. Yes, so we have not done a cross-off pick since week four. Um, So we're a little behind. Um, I'm sorry, week three. Uh, So not we haven't been consistent with it, but also to the fact that 14 teams end up making the playoffs. We obviously can't do one every week yep. because, for one, teams will stay in the fold until kind of the very end of the season. Um, but also, too, you just don't know. You sometimes can't even make a pick. Um, but with it, the way it works is that each week when we pick a team, that we're trying to add to our point total by like the end of the season. Because obviously, once teams are mathematically eliminated, that means points on the board for us. So by the end of the season, let's say I, since I picked the Patriots um, in week three, Mac still hasn't picked the Patriots. So if Mac were to pick them this week, and since I picked them in week three, whenever the Patriots are mathematically eliminated, because let's be honest, they are going to be mathematically eliminated <laughs> here soon, I will get points in the difference between when I picked them and when Mac picked them to be crossed off the list. So if, if that makes sense. So yeah, it's great. You know, going, going through the tracker um, week two was the first week in which we did it. Max picks that week were Broncos, bears, and Cardinals. My picks were Panthers, bears, and Cardinals. Um, okay. So commonalities and bears and Cardinals, it's going to equal out. We don't, each of us don't get points on that. However, Mac had the pan, the Broncos in week two. I still haven't picked them. I picked the Panthers in week two. Max still hasn't picked them. Week three, Mac went with the Raiders. I went with the Patriots. I still have not picked the Raiders. Mac still has not picked the Patriots. Um, so there's going to be quite. There's going to be points up for grabs with Damn. those three teams and the fact that we haven't. Each of us haven't picked them. But damn, and the Raiders are like three and three. They're like somehow still hanging around. Ugh, that's scary. Okay. <laughs> Shit, I don't like that. So so. Uh, do you want to pick two teams today or do you want to just pick yeah. one? 
Let's do, let's yeah, pick I two. Yeah, I think we should do two. Okay, great. So can I get the Panthers and the Patriots, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, better better, better stop that margin from spreading yes. anymore. Yes, please. I'm going to get my hands on both of those. Those teams are hot garbage, and they are not making the playoffs. Yes, cross them off. I'll add them to my list. Uh, Alex, what are your two? All right, so I'm going to go to the Broncos to stop that margin <laughs> yes, from getting yes. any bigger. Perfect. And Mac? <laughs> I'm gonna go with the Giants. Oh I'm, no! I'm gonna do it. <laughs> no! I'm gonna do it. Oh. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna just get my points while I can get them now. If I end up losing this, I'll take it. I'm sorry. But when, when you dig yourself in a one in five hole, <laughs> it's gonna be tough to come back from. <laughs> and when I have to look at the Jets matchup coming up this week <laughs> and fear that they're not gonna come out of there with a win. <laughs> That that's that's a prop. That's a one in six hole that they got to come out of against a team that has proven that they cannot beat the Eagles and they can't beat the Cowboys. They've already lost to the Cowboys once this year, so they only play them one more time. They still have to play the Eagles twice. Not confident they could pull the Jets and win either of those games. And a Commanders team that honestly I'd be afraid for playing. Against. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh uh, man, I'm gonna go I'm ahead sorry. And just Oh, man. Barry, the New York football giants. Alex has officially given up, calling it quits. And, man, I... Hey, I'm not giving up. I'm get, I'm just racking up points while I can. Like, oh, I'm, I'm so I'm sorry. You're right. I'm game of winning this. Of course, of course. I'm so sorry. You'd never give up on your one in five, uh, you know, hot garbage giants. Of course not. No, no, no. Uh, very much still in play. Good. Yes. Keep Keep that hope alive, buddy. Prove um, me wrong. Just like MBS <laughs> needs to prove you wrong this weekend. Prove me wrong. New York Giants, are you listening? Alex is watching. Oh, man. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay, great. So I took Panthers-Pats, and you took uh, Giants Broncos and, and Broncos. Giants. Broncos and Giants. I think right now that's pretty safe. I'm feeling a little iffy on that Raiders pick. I don't think they're going to make it, but the fact that they're three and three and still hanging around. And you know, if the chiefs go ahead and beat the chargers and get the chargers further below the Raiders, all of a sudden I'm a little scared there. Uh, the NFL is so weird. Uh, yeah, you'll yeah. have a good margin on me. Cause since I'm not picking the Raiders this week. Ex- yeah, exactly. And I mean, sh- shit, if they, if they win again and the chargers lose, it, it's starting to get more plausible. That could be a huge point gainer for me. Also it could be a huge L for me. We'll have to come up with like a penalty. If you cross someone off that makes the, the, the playoffs or something. We'll have to come up with some sort of penalty for that too. Um, but that concludes our episode of this week's behind the box score podcast. Again, we're back. This is not the last time you'll hear from us this weekend or this week. Excuse me. We are going to be back with an NBA season preview. My brother, Asher, Alex, and then of course myself, I'll be joined by a friend of mine, Zach Gaspi. I believe we'll talk some Celtics, but we'll review all of the NBA, the over-unders. We'll do some future stuff make some hot takes, some predictions, maybe a couple friendly wagers between ourselves. We're going to have a blast. Can't wait for it again. We're going to record that tomorrow, Wednesday, October 18th. We'll release that either Thursday or Friday. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you again next week.